Welcome to two, episode 278 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review State of Origin Game 3 and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 278 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we have just witnessed State of Origin Game 3, the dead rubber of all dead rubbers. (laughs) How How are you feeling? Look, oh, to be honest, yeah, great. Like, uh, it was a great game. Um, so really looking forward to, to talking about it. All right. Well, without any further ado, let's get stuck into it. We've got a reduced number of tackles, but there's one big one. Tackle number one, the State of Origin 3 review. Here we go. All right, I could listen to that intro all day, and that would have been a little bit more exciting than Game 3, State of Origin. Now, look, the Blues won Game 3, 24 to 10. Finally, we got got a win at home, a course stadium, with in good weather conditions in front of 75,000 or so fans. It was four tries to two, Brian Toto, Josh Adokar, and two to Bradman Best. Uh, and for Fafida, uh, for the Maroons, it was Fafida and Hamizo Taboy Fido. Um, it was 18-10 at halftime and uh, really only one try in the second half. A much, um, I guess, a much much more subdued second half, let's say. Uh, but look, you know, the if you look at the stats, if you look at uh, the way the way the teams played, uh, you, you'd well again you'd look at the stats and you think, well, it's kind of like even. There were there were. Some things that the the Maroons did a lot better. 11 offloads versus 2 to the Blues, for example. 25 dummy passes to 8 for the Blues. Um, You know, lots of passes there as well, more passes. So, look, there was stats can sort of tell you a bit of a picture. But when you look at, I guess, the feeling of it, and I, I think it's fair to say that the first half for the Blues, they were dominant. They They were running rings around them. The left side attack seem to click compared to what we've seen in uh, in in the part in the first two games um, you know just overall the blues uh, I guess the question could be asked where was this blues side and the the intensity etc in games one and two I think it's fair to say my view uh, and I'll, I'll get I'll pass over to you Tish my view is that you know felt like I felt like the Maroons uh, kind of dropped in intensity compared to games one and two. I think they're obviously a lot less on the line. The desperation, the last-minute tackles and all that kind of stuff just wasn't there for Queensland. Um, To be fair, it wasn't even there for the Blues, but the Blues actually, that additional breathing room allowed them to actually get some good attacking play going, at least in the first half. Um, You know, the fact that the Maroons didn't score a point in the second half, they had 
a few opportunities. I had a couple of missed uh, missed tries, uh, you know, kicks from Cherry Evans, for instance, one to Val Holmes who completely dropped it, you know, a, a, an obvious example of that. There were others as well. Um, but, but yeah, look, overall, the Blues played just as I thought we, we should be expected that, you know, when the pressure is off uh, and they're playing for pride, they've got more to play for than the Maroons. So, um, you know, well done to the Blues. Um, that's my, my first impression. Let, let me pass to you for your first impression, and then we can dive into a little bit of uh, what happens next. So, Tish, what do you think? Yeah, well, look, uh, Dr. T, you did say that, um, you know, maybe the build-up and the feeling around the game was a bit subdued. Um, I probably agree. I think the build-up was a bit slow. Um, I think, A, as you said, dead rubber. Uh, so you already think, okay, the series has already been decided, so now we're just playing for the pride, the fact that you don't want to be. I think it's only happened in like five times over the last 40 years that there's been a, a, a you know, a, a clean sweep. So New South Wales trying to avoid a clean sweep. Queensland trying to go for a clean sweep because, you know, it, it does sort of submit your sort of place in history, right? So a bit on the line, but, but, but not as much as the series on the line. So I think that... Plus, with the players' strike, I know uh, last week I was sort of uh, praising it a little bit because, like, you know, there's some stuff that really annoys me, which they're not doing at the moment. But, um, you know, but the, the the media ban on the players, I think, has a big impact on how much coverage you, you actually get um, throughout the week. And then we're talking about other things other than origin. So I, th- I think those uh, are probably the key things that sort of happened. Uh, but then, look, the actual uh, game itself. Look, I thought the game was very open. Um, you know, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a period where it was just like hit up, hit up, hit up. At least in the first half, anyway, right? It seemed like both teams went out there to sort of spread the ball around, pass it along. Uh, there were some amazing tries. The the Josh Adokar try, for example, was really good. Um, I even felt that the um, you know some of the miss you know the miss tries. Um, uh, were a bit spectacular, uh, two of them. Uh, one for New South Wales and one for, for Queensland. And, yeah, and I thought overall, like, I think it was really good signs uh, for, I suppose, what New South Wales can do. Um, uh, but I, I think we'll go more into that as we sort of talk about the game. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, Stadium Australia or, you know, or, you know, what's it now? Um, you know, Alliance Stadium or Ampol Stadium. Whatever the name of the stadium is, oh, a core stadium that is. Sorry, a core stadium at the moment. Um, I think it's a great venue. I mean, you saw the fireworks on television. Um, like the the, I think it's a great venue for rugby league. Like I think a lot of people um think that it's too big and everything, but like you know the crowd, uh, it, there's a real difference between playing at you know a core stadium than playing at you know game one at at the Adelaide uh, Oval, for example. And I felt that the the players, uh. You know, really for New South Wales, they they really did respond to that. So, yeah, a lot a lot of great things that happened today. But but that's my overall thoughts of the game itself. All right, so let, let dive into uh, you know we, that's our initial prim, preliminary thoughts, first impressions. Yeah. But when we dive into the actual the details, let's dive into some of the details because mm. there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot that's been happening. If you scratch the surface of this game. Uh, you know, the, the Maroons had a chance to, you know, get that 3-0. Didn't end up going there. In a way, um, for those who, who wish to see the back of Brad Fittler, uh, this was the worst-case scenario, <laughs> having New South Wales win quite easily in Game 3. Uh, 
show, showing that some of the decisions that were made in terms of getting rid of Luai, bringing in Bradman Best, a few other players like that, um, could have been, you know, uh, the saving grace for Brad Fittler. Um, and so let me let me just turn our attention. Well, before we get to the Brad Fittler situation, the situation, we let's look at what the, uh, you know, the players now. Now, Tish, let me ask you who. Who was the official man of the match today in the game? And do you agree with that? Who was the official man of the match? Um, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I have... Did they... Well, I, th- I think they gave you an award to Cody Walker, potentially. That's what Ooh, I saw. Okay. Or was it Ruben... You know, and I think Ruben Cotter won man of the series, maybe. Um, at least I saw them get the award. So I can't, can't be sure. I think that's what I saw on, on the TV. But... Let me just forget that because <laughs> we got yeah, we got to unpack yeah. that all day. But who was your man of the match today? Uh, and then and then we'll see if we can uh, talk about man of the series. So who who would you okay. have put for man of the match? Okay, well uh, it, it's kind of interesting because I think New South Wales. Uh, I mean, they won the game. They had quite a number of of players that actually really performed well. Um, you know, if if I could give a joint one, I'd actually give it to both halves. <laughs> right, because the both halves were great. But then I should think of a guy like James Tedesco, right? There were so many half breaks, and, um, you know, he added a new element uh, to his game, uh, a thing called a pass. And, uh, you know, he went from, like, you know, uh, not knowing how to or not even knowing the concept of it uh, to actually being one of the best when it came to, like, some of those quick passes, right? So I'd say that it's probably lined up with within within those three. And I might even lean towards Tedesco. That's what I'd say. Wow, is that left I, field? That's all left field. I tell you, it is totally left field. It's totally, I totally disagree. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> because I, I actually, I honestly, I thought, uh, you know, but for the fact that the Blues won comfortably and and the scoreline reflected that, I think all of the Blues' flaws uh, continued to to be brought to the fore today and uh and you know the there were so many flaws and i thought like it was frustrating as a blues fan to watch um tedesco uh the only pass i think he's made in probably five years <laughs> happened to be that last pass he he uh he stifled so many attacking plays he tried to you know get through the middle he made a few half breaks yes but uh but again, uh, those half breaks led to nothing, <laughs> and and it seemed to kind of actually stifle the attack and stifle momentum. It was very frustrating to watch. Same with Isaiah Yo. Um, you know, when he came on, he you know it was almost guaranteed that players uh, were were just giving up. There was no support around him. Uh, there was no. I think no one really you know expected any any pass or any offload from either Yo or Tedesco. And I think that's exactly what happened until. That try at the end when uh, when Teddy actually did make a break and then he was forced to pass um, to a player in a better position and I think that's you know I, I, I take that as a that's a pass as opposed to um, you know a pass that, that that must be made that needed to be made as opposed to one that um, you know where there's a choice between dummying and passing I think he had no choice he could not have dummied he would have and he in fact did get smashed by the fullback <laughs> so I think. Um, you know, yes, it was great that he passed it. It was great he performed well in some cir- circumstances. But I think our problems with James Tedesco continue to be shown. Um, 
I'm also, as an Eels fan, I have to say I'm not just disappointed. I'm angry that Clint oh, uh, wow, yeah. Gutherson got on in Kingdom. the 77th minute, um, had one touch of – I think he had one hit up and then at the end he caught the ball to, to uh, as full-time – the full-time siren went. Um, zero opportunity to show any of his skills or any of the reason why he was brought in at all. Um, yeah. The suggestion during the week that Brad Fittler selected him because he, you know, he understands that he's got passion and he wanted to bring some energy into the squad. Um, let me just remind you, Brad Fittler, you've been a successful, you know, successful NRL player and and state of origin player and Australian player. Um, since when do you need to bring a player into an origin camp to? to lift the energy <laughs> shouldn't they all have energy isn't it the whole point of having the passion of say a queensland the queensland spirit that kind of thing um it's it's mm. really odd that kind of odd um perspective from our coach sort of indicates that he just seemed to seems to have lost the plot compared to where he started where he was winning and really he did bring the energy and and the the enthusiasm and a different way of doing things and success um i think he's lost the plot at the moment um the selection of gutherson took him out of a Parramatta team that could have desperately needed him and <laughs> last weekend mm. and uh where we got flogged by the warriors which we'll talk about later you know very disappointed as a neils fan that that our three top players were not in the squad, and one of them didn't even get used, so it was effectively a wasted interchange uh, player. Um, although he was brought on because uh, Adokar was injured, so he wasn't even put, brought on for Tedesco. He was brought in as a winger. Ridiculous. Um, so again, disappointing from that perspective. Uh, you know, Tedesco again doesn't pass it. Um, fell over more times than not. Um, needs needs new boots. Needs new shorts. Uh, elastic on his shorts. Again, yep. I could see his, his bum more often than I could see him pass the ball. <laughs> you know, um, but having said that, when he's when he runs a ball and he's he runs a ball, he's, he's very effective. So you can't take that away from him. Absolutely, wouldn't want to do that. But that was really disappointing. Um, you know, the rest of the squad. I think the the reason why we it was comfortable. Uh, as as a win in the first half in particular, um, things clicked because you put players in the right position and they know what to do. Bradman Best, I've, I've got to hand it to him. I initially, and I'm not suggesting that he mm. didn't deserve to be there. I'm suggesting that I think there are other players that deserve to be there ahead of him, but he performed really well and he is definitely one for the future. Um, yep. Such a difference when you've got a centre who can do quick draw, catch and pass, um, gets it to your gun, super fast winger, uh, Adokar, in a hurry. Um, Adokar actually, I thought, was man of the match for New South Wales. He pretty much didn't do anything wrong. He made a couple of errors. He could have kicked it in a bit more, but he, you know, for it could have been an extra try there at the end. Uh, but he actually was completely dangerous with the ball. In the first half, he absolutely demolished him. He performed one of the great, you know, kick and chase to yourself um, tries in yeah. origin, only to see really... Hamazo do the same thing a few minutes later. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, really, really good effort for for him as well. And I think the reason for that is that he had good service from Cody Walker and Bradman Bess. It's quite simple yeah. uh, and such a difference. Now, Luai probably could have done the same job, if not better, I think, than Cody Walker. So I don't see where 
we, you know, we, potentially they might end up sort of working well together. Moses did well. Our forwards did well. Jack Trebojevic will be a future captain for New South Wales when Tedesco doesn't get selected, I think. Um, you know, it's that kind of thing that, again, all of these little elements and decisions could have been made in games one and two, and we would have seen possibly a different result. Um, but, yeah. you know, so that's a New South Wales point of view. Tish, over to you. Unpack New South Wales for me. What do you think? Yeah. Well, look, when we when we kind of talk about play performance, right, so I've just had a look at some of the stats and I'm just trying to think about their game because, like, you know, sometimes you sort of, you know, you sort of see all the attack. You don't really see sort of the defensive part of the game. And, you know, there are all these little things that sort of go, uh, that, that sort of go unnoticed when you're watching it on, on TV. But what I can bring up, and I did think that, um, I mean, he was instrumental in uh, Bradman Best's first try, actually. And that is uh, Cam Murray, right? So one of the changes that New South Wales made is that Cameron Murray didn't start uh, off the bench this time. He actually started in the starting 13. Uh, he, he made 35 tackles. He made 16 runs that went over 100 metres, right? And I think um, that is uh, – I think that was an amazing effort. And then, like, you know, the other person on the second row was uh, uh, Keon uh, Keller. And, uh, you know, apologies for the rest of his surname. Kalo Matangi. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's he the New South Wales Tino. New South Wales yeah. Tino, I call him. <laughs> In this, yeah, but he, he was great. And I think he had a great debut. And as you said, Bradman Besson, yeah, there's a, a bit of a reluctancy, maybe it's the South Wales thing to, to even uh, mention, uh, you know, sort of the debutants as sort of main, main like, man of the match uh, time. But I thought... Really, they both provided uh, a point of difference to what we had in the previous games, right? So they brought size and enthusiasm and, you know, just, I mean, I think with uh, Cam Murray, uh, Keon, uh, Keon and Liam and Regan campbell giving up just aggression from the forwards, right? Mm. I think, um, you know, I saw Regan campbell Gillard make some absolutely uh, tremendous runs. He looked twice the size of everybody else on the field, right? Um, and just... You know, it's really it's really important to get you go forward, and you know, New South Wales dominated the ruck the entire game, which then allowed our backs to play. And you know, the other the other changes uh, were in effect. The the key thing is, you know, if we look at New South Wales's first try, I mean, I actually wrote this down right. Um, it was the first time in the whole series we went we had quick distribution to the wingers, right, to the point where the break was made by Josh Adokar after. A great passing sequence started off by Cody Walker uh, through the hands of Bradman Best and onto um, uh, Josh Adekar, who who made the break on the outside. And then the next tackle, right, very critical. They got the ball all the way out to the other wing, right. So two tackles in a row. You you actually got uh, you know back to back tackles. You actually got from one wing to the other. And Brian Torho scores on the other corner, right. So that is uh, that is a, a very big difference to what the New South Wales team, the way they played in Adelaide and, and probably the way they played up there at Suncorp Stadium too, right? We did not see that type of, uh, you know, quick distribution towards the backs. And part of the reason, I think, is that Bradman best selection. Um, he played fantastic. He played out of his bits. He played well above what I think a lot of people expected, probably even above what he expected as well. I think he had an amazing debut. But I think the key is he is a centre. He knows that position. He was uh, defensively uh, really good. You know, uh, Cody Walker yeah. is not really known for his defense. He, uh, I think he made a lot of great decisions that actually, uh, you know, uh, stifled the Maroons, def- uh, you know, attack in that area. 
Um, so I think he did well. And so did Stephen Crichton defense. I think defensively they both performed really well. And that's the key about having a center who plays center playing center, right? Don't put Damian Cook in there, right? Like they didn't game two because that an injury, right? And then that was an injury for Tommy Tabroy, who doesn't play in the centers either, right? So, um, you know, I think this is the real lesson to be learned here, right? Like is that, you know, you want to go, I mean, unless you've got, I mean, I know, uh, well, we, we would have had Latrell Mitchell, right? But Latrell Mitchell played center for a long time as well, right? So so you got to you pick players who pick who know the position. So I think that was tremendous. And I think that first try was a great exhibition of that. And then even the New South Wales second try, this is where the combination of like being able to go out wide. So they went out wide. They had another break. Then through the middle. Oh, no, no that's the third try. The second try was the amazing Josh uh, the, the Fox try, right? Again, it was off the result of getting the ball quickly out to Josh Adokar, right? So, I mean, it was like within within seconds, he's got the ball. He's already on the outside, right? And then, mm. you know, an amazing kick. The third try, interesting, they actually made the break through the middle. Um, and that was through, uh, I think, James Tedesco. Yeah, he did slip over, but he did get away. And then Cam Murray then took that break. And I think he got away again, too. Then they spread it out quickly again. And this time, um, you know, Bradman Best was able to score without even having to pass it to Adokar. So, again, just that distribution. And that's why I think that the halves really were super important. Um, uh, and I think they they gelled. They gelled. That they, they never played against each other. I think Bradford called them the odd couple. But I think uh, the way they performed was, was really good. And what I like about this side, I just, I mean, I noted this down too, is that, you know, they had four players from South, that four players from the Panthers, and three from the Eels. Now, I know they didn't use Gutherson, but really, I mean, I, 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 I'm like you, Dr. T. I think there was a real missed opportunity there because what you really have is if you if you think about the Eels and their attack, their attack is centered around Moses and Gutherson, right? So, you know, that was an opportunity missed. Uh, obviously, they had the Walker dominance, you know, because obviously he's the engine room of their attack. And then if you think about the Panthers, I think Crichton, Toho, um, you know, uh, and the way they sort of uh, combine sometimes with their forwards, I thought that was another element to their attack. So really, you know, not just picking Penrith, <laughs> right, but actually spreading out the selection uh, with, a, you know, four from South, four from the Panthers, three from the Eels. You know, there's actually even two from the Knights, right? But then spreading that out a little bit actually gives you more combinations because you've got the... Uh, you know, you've got the best of both worlds. Like the the guys know their play, plus you know they're sort of gelling with with other teams as, as well. So yeah, I think I think I think selection wise, yes, it was a bit out there, but I think it really worked for New South Wales. Um, but look, you know, I know we probably do need to talk about Brad P- uh, Fittler a little bit because it was, yeah, there 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 is some things I, I do need to say about his coaching. But look, I think overall, I think New South Wales look, across the board they played well. Um, yeah, but like coming back to the man in the match, yeah, probably Tedesco, you know, first reaction, probably not the best. But if I'd give it to somebody based on the statistics and what I actually saw on the field, I would say that I think Cam Murray gets in there. So, um, yeah, but look, overall, great. And look, um, Queensland, uh, yeah, what happened to them? Well, were they, did they really play that bad? I mean, like they, they just, they couldn't score because New South Wales were a bit more desperate that, you know, in defense than what they were last time. I think. I think that the first Queensland try kind of, uh, you know, I think uh, actually, um, you know, Darren Lockyer said, like, Queensland were just more urgent to the ball. 
um, you know, when when that um, when the ball went up for the kick, and you even saw in the replay uh, a lot of New South Wales players just walking to the ball, uh, whereas you had five Queensland jerseys there to to sort of uh, to sort of pick up the ball. So, you know, that was kind of an issue in game one and two, right? Like where you know a lot of these uh, tries that were scored off kicks, it was really because you know Queensland had more people desperate to try and get the ball than what New South Wales did. But I think New South Wales really backed up their desperation. And that's the reason why they shut out the Maroons for one entire uh, 40 minutes, right? Um, and I don't think that's something that's happened too often. No, that's right. That's right. But did you want to – shall we dive into Brad Fittler? Because <laughs> I think there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Uh, if I already sort of mentioned, you know, the, the bizarre situation with the Clint Gutherson, which was a, an yes. almost mirror image of what happened with um, uh, Nico Hines in game one. Um, yeah, mm. just unbelievable that you'd, you'd leave. His use of the interchange bench was, again, frustrating. Um, yeah. You could sense at the end that, that New South Wales were, look, if this was a legit, non-dead rubber game, I think New South Wales would have been trampled in those last 15 minutes purely because Fittler was not managing the interchange bench properly. Um, you know, the players were getting tired. The players that that, st- that did so well in game in the first half of the game, um, you know, you could tell they were just getting tired. They needed some refreshment. They needed some change. Uh, who he put on, you know, they, he put – he had – Yo and Cam Murray at the same time at one point. I didn't understand that. Um, I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, and then obviously Gutherson stayed there the whole time, which as an Eels fan is frustrating as well. Um, I, I actually thought, you know, this would be the game where we would see Gutherson brought in for Tedesco, um, you know, with the view to maybe next series, um, having Tedesco sort of retired out or whatever. But I think it was... Uh, you know, and yeah, admittedly, Tedesco did play well in parts, but again, the the same situation. Uh, I don't know, I don't know how uh, you don't use, you know, Tedesco more effectively in set pieces. Um, there were no real set pieces. There was a lot of like, you know, simple passes. Um, I think Cody Walker, you know, to his credit, uh, brought a little bit of structure in the back line. Where I think in the past, Luai, or certainly recently, has made made his name from being more uh, flamboyant and kind of the X factor, uh, which, you know, uh, so Cody was kind of there as, as the, you know, keeping the structure in place. And I think Moses as well had a relatively quiet game. He was okay, but he wasn't, he didn't really make any major breaks or whatever. But if you look at, again, back to Fittler, um, the selections, uh, st- I didn't understand the, the even in this game, the, some of the selections, the interchange was terrible. No real set plays. Um, I, I just, yeah, there was a, what else can I say? <laughs> um, uh, there was, there's the little things like, you know, Toa constantly gets beaten in the high ball and not one other New South Wales player is there as an enforcer to protect him. Um, that's on the coach. The coach needs to understand where the weak points are and do something about it. Um, Tedesco got beaten, you know, yes, he, he caught one good catch, but he got beaten two or three times by the opposition player. Um, you know, I think at one point, you know, we remember the Collins catch in game one. Um, but I think he got beaten several times. Uh, you know, again, 
um, it, this is not necessarily about the player. This is about the coach understanding that his players have some weaknesses and he's got to do something about it. Put some protection there. Put some, you know, screen screening plays. Um, get some, you know, whatever the case may be. You you can do something with the other players and get them kind of drilled in, you know, get some drills ready. Um, he did none of that. It seemed really like he was unprepared. Like I said, the it's what happened today was not Queensland being unprepared. I think they were just not motivated or as motivated as New South Wales. Um, and I think even then uh, there was a chance towards the end where they, they were, they were going to run over the top of us. And uh, uh, again, because interchange wasn't being used effectively. Um, but it is, it is extremely frustrating as well, seeing that, uh, yes, we had finally got it together, but when it doesn't matter. Um, and that to me is, is a shame. Um, and, and sort of, uh, I still think after all that, I don't think Freddie Fittler should be uh, provided another opportunity to coach next year. I think his time is up. I think the way that we got beaten in games one and two suggests that, uh, you know, whatever happened in game three was never going to be a legitimate litmus test of uh, where we are at. I think there's lots of problems that this win is um, covering up and and compensating for, but it doesn't solve those problems at all uh, unless we get a new coach and different ideas into this uh, team. So, Tish, over to you. What do you think? Yeah, well, look, I mean, uh, they, they did actually bring up that he's been coach of the New South Wales Blues since 2018, right? So that would make this his sixth uh, series. Uh, so he's basically had half a decade, right? Uh, which in, like, origin... It's a long time, right? You know, I mean, I, how many years in Melbourne he had? I think he had a full decade, right? Um, so he's he's sort of <laughs> going... Uh, he's, he's sort of getting there, right? And then so what he's produced is three series wins and uh, three series losses. Um, and then, you know, the first two were wins, but then it's sort of been, uh, you know, it's the, the first two were win, but then, you know, the, the last four have been, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, win one, lose one type sort of scenario with him. So, or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, well, so look, no, well, well, no, no. It was. Um, I think he won two, lost yep. one, won another one, and then he's and lost then the last lost two, two in a row. Last, yeah. last two in a row. Yeah. So he was he was at one point three one, winning, and now yeah. he's three three uh, in series. Now he's so, three three. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which look to be honest, uh, for New South Wales since we've not won as many series as Queensland. It's not a bad record for a coach, right? Um, but it is also a long time. He's had a long time with the team, and I think, um, and I think maybe a new direction is probably in order, right? I think that um, because really, I think where he's gone wrong, if you look at his tenure, is that well, the first two years. I mean, they sort of see again. There's little things that that, that they will say, you know, like you know, uh, like they go Regan Campbell Gilda. He made his debut the first year that Fitler made his debut, right? Well, last year that he could he was kind of unceremoniously taken out of the team because of like some sort of issues, right? And then now he's brought back, and you know the Gutherson thing where you know he only got uh, a handful of minutes. You mentioned it right that you know there was the same similar issue with um, with uh, with Nico Hines earlier this this year. Um, I feel like there was probably another player in game two that probably had a similar sort of circumstance. 
Um, and and it's kind of a trait, right, that he he has had. I, I want to say that Jack White might have even had that type of scenario too, right? So he seems to play a uh, a 16-man game, like having a spare, um, you know, so, so and that's the kind of... Yeah, I, I don't know that. I, I, that that's kind of his style, right? But I don't think it's very good, uh, particularly in the in the uh, in the Origin era, because uh, you know, just to have, uh, you know, you got to have you got to have confidence in in the players that you've picked, um, and in the in the gameplay that game plan that you've done, right? I, I don't think you can make a game plan for just sixteen players when. The opposition is is going to do it with seventeen, right? You're you're already putting yourself at a dis- disadvantage. So I think I think I think that's probably where maybe New South Wales needs to look at a new direction because of that. Yes, because like after the thing, I think was, it, yeah. To be honest, it was annoying. I, I was kind of uh, hoping in the last ten minutes, right? Like at least, like first thing I was actually hoping in the last twenty minutes because I really thought that they needed another level. Um, then another sort of player out there who who could make things happen. I think that's the thing with that. Gutherson is that, you know, when he's on the field, he, he can make things happen, right? And I think there was even a, a bit of a, a pinball situation when he was on the field, right? Um, so, like, you know, like, I, I think I saw the stats where he sort of, uh, he made uh, two tackles throughout, you know, in his four minutes out there. But I did see him try to make about 50 of them, right? He was he was all over the place when he was there. And you kind of need that type of energy, you know? So, so I kind of felt that there was an opportunity missed there. So, yeah, so I think I think that was a bit of a, an issue. The tactical errors in in as you said the other games, um, the fact that the team sort of lacked that urgency in the first two games as well. I mean, it was really clear, um, you know, how many tries Queens were able to score off their kicks. Um, there is that height problem. So how do you? I mean, it's it only becomes a problem. Well, it got exploited, but then. You've got to be able to address it a lot quicker than that. And it doesn't have to necessarily mean by just dropping Toho if he's having a great game. It just means about having all the different, um, you know, different ways to try and protect your players a little bit. So, yeah. So I don't know if he, if he needs a bit more, um, if he needs a bit more uh, of a, well, I, I think they just need to go in a new direction. They probably need a new head coach. And they probably need a head coach that can get buy-in from a lot of other people too. Um, and I, and I think, and I think, yeah, I think that's probably one thing that, that New South Wales needs to look at. Um, and, uh, yeah, because look, we definitely have state of origin is kind of the same game, right? We always have the, uh, uh, you know, we have that, uh, sort of, uh, we have the same problem that we've sort of had since the start where we've got so many players to pick from. Right, we have our choice of players because you know we have more players playing in the NRL and top level and so forth. So, you know, it's always going to be that thing where we're really going to be careful about who we select. But then once we do select them, we've got to really back them, and we've got to give them confidence that they're our number one choice. I mean, um, Bradman Bessie had a great game; he scored two tries. Right? Would you say that he's the incumbent when, when Latrell and Tom Trevoy come back? No, right? So when he comes back and plays, because those guys are injured, right? How does his confidence go when he knows that no matter how good he plays, he won't he he will be behind Latrell and uh, and Tommy. So you know those are the type of uh, you know selections that have been around that kind of need to be addressed because you know in the end everybody sort of seems to play on eggshells. If you have a situation where even if you have a great game, you still might be dropped because 
there's a superstar coming back into the team. So I really think that that's where they'll they'll have to go from there. And I think, uh, you know, for, for Queensland, Billy Slater, he's done a great job two years in a row. Uh, you know, he's got the, the side winning, um, even though a lot of people probably said that they don't have, uh, you know, a, as good as players. I think they have a really good squad at the moment. I think they have a really uh, – they've had a really good turnaround. They kind of know each other's game. But the challenge for Billy is going to be when he gets challenged as a coach because I don't think he's been challenged yet. I think he's had two series where he's been the more creative one and he's got away with it. But I think if you get somebody in who's got that sort of uh, tenure in the NRL plus uh, knows how to really bring a, bring on players, I think, yeah, I, I don't think Billy's coaching uh, ability has has been tested too much so far in his, uh, in his origin uh in his origin career as a coach. All right. And look, I guess I'm going to just ask point blank, who would be your New South Wales coach for next year? Mm. Well, uh, Danny Badiris, you mentioned him last week, right? And they did cut to Danny Badiris, right? Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they cut to Danny Badiris at the end of the game because uh, they can't talk to any of the players, right? Um so I thought he was he was quite good. I actually really liked it at halftime where they where they go, oh, let's go down to Danica, right? And Danica's like, I've got Paul Gallon with me. It's like, yeah, we've been hearing from Paul Gallon all night, right? And um, you know, Paul Gallon, uh, he was like puffed out a little bit, and I was thinking, oh, that's a uh, very authentic because that's usually how the halftime interview goes, right? So I don't know. I, don't, I mean, look, Paul Gallon, <laughs> I don't know if he could be as a coach, but I think that they they, they kind of need like that type. Of, I think. The problem with Danny Bruderis is that he doesn't have the uh, he doesn't have the origin aura thing, right? He was a solid player for New South Wales. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't like, oh my god, it's Danny Bruderis. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, do we need that? I'm not sure, uh, but you know, it does help. Like Mal Meninga, like I, I don't know if anybody like thought that he was like a fantastic coach, but he had the aura of like Big Mal, you know. Um, so 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 maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe we need to create that aura for Danny Badiris, you know. Um, you know, the ginger beer man, Danny Badiris. Um, <laughs> That's whatever right. it is, you know? yeah. <laughs> you, you make a point. Yeah, look I, look, I would say he needs to have a go. I think Danny Badiris would, would be a good choice. Um, there may be some others that, that might be good choices as well. I think if you look at um, Queensland seems to go for those players, you know, former greats, that have the aura and those are the, the coaches that tend to have the best impact. You know, you got Meninga as an example, Billy Slater early in his career. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, potentially in, in the future, they might go for other kind of former players that have got that aura uh, as, and, and maybe not, don't have necessarily the, uh, you know, the, the experience of being a coach uh, in NRL level, um, it seems to work for them. I don't think that necessarily is the the blueprint for New South Wales. I think potentially for New South Wales, if you look at our most successful coaches, you know, it's really like the main one is really Gus Gould. Um, Fiddler was successful until the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, who else Who else do you say has, has had like that kind of major level of consistent success for New South Wales? It's really no one but Gus Gould. And so, you know, is the blueprint that you, you get someone in the mould of him, someone who's an analyst, someone who, you know, has that kind of uh, 
uh, I don't know who, you know, he kind of has that aura as one of the greatest coaches and, and definitely I think it's got to be a coach that has that kind of Queensland style of play. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, the understands the, the role of, of, of uh, state of origin, understands the, the essence of it, understands the, what it takes to win at origin level Um you know, and and that's why I think Danny Badiris, even though he doesn't have that aura about him, he's not a you know Hall of Famer or greatest player in his position of all time or that kind of thing. Um, he he was a solid player and he knows what it takes to win at Origin level. Um, and I think that's kind of uh, that's kind of what you need. Now I don't I don't really know if he's the kind of uh, the sort of an analytical type guy like like Gus Gould, but you know out of the available coaches, I think he's the best. So that's why I think they should go for that. Um, look, I, I think that's it for for our State of Origin 3 review, and we've potentially gone a bit further by talking about, you know, where to next for New South Wales. But I think we should now turn our attention back to the NRL as we, as the, well, as the Queenslanders continue to celebrate their series victory in subdued fashion in Sydney, it's time for us to look at uh, yeah, the NRL again. Let's go rewind back to round 19 last weekend and do the round 19 review. Here we go. Sorry, Dr. T. I, I queued up the tips thinking we'll do the tips and the review together so um oh that's all right <laughs> i can't do it <laughs> that's all right we're, 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 let's just do the review and tips i don't know whatever yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. let's do it all together tips and review all right uh so let me just go back to round 19 uh let's go yeah. through the results and then we'll go into round 20 so we saw the sharks 36 to 12 over the tigers in front of a pretty small crowd at combank stadium 36 to 26 was the Raiders over the Dragons at Wynn Stadium, again in front of about 9,000 small crowd there. The Warriors 46 to 10 against the depleted Parramatta Eels at Combank Stadium in front of 21,000 disappointed Eels fans. The Bulldogs 36 to 32 over a depleted Rabbitohs at a core stadium in front of 16,000 or so at Saturday evening. And finally, the Dolphins, a really good close one, exciting game, 23-21 against the uh, the Dolphins against the Gold Coast Titans there at Seabus Super Stadium in front of 18,000. Um, you know, to me, what, again, this goes back to what I was saying about, you know, you've selected players like Gutherson, who is the heart and soul of Parramatta Eels, didn't use him effectively in origin and effectively basically gutted the Eels uh, team <laughs> the week before origin, uh, which obviously was disappointing for the Eels that, you know, that the, but the Warriors, look, to me, the Warriors, again, I keep saying it again and again, they are the surprise packet. They're the dark horses of the competition, I think. Uh, along with the Canberra Raiders, I think those two teams are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And the Warriors are slowly, slowly inching their way up to a top four position. Uh, I don't know if they're at top four at the moment. I think they're kind of uh, nipping at the heels. of the. Well, they're six at the moment. They're on you know, literally one win out of the top four. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're there. They're almost there. Um, again, flying under the radar. So um, let's see how they go. But Tish, what are your highlights for round 19? 
Yeah, well, I think the the I suppose the two big upsets, um, you know, one being the Bulldogs um, over South, and yeah, look, South as we sort of talked about in our Origin talk, you know, they they were uh, missing a whole bunch of um, players uh, as well. So um, to see them, yeah, to see to see that happen gives uh, gives the Bulldogs a bit of momentum, and then now this week they're going uh, back to Belmore to play the Broncos. Um, which which is going to be a, a very interesting uh, sort of exchange for them. So maybe maybe it gives them a bit of momentum and and let's just see how they go. And I think also, as you said, the Parramatta game. I think it's you know it's it's just the like the fashion that they lost as well, like to to the um you know to the Warriors that forty six deficit. It does uh, are they still in the positive uh, on their four and against? I think they might still they be are they are yeah in the positive yeah, but by. Um, yeah, by by fair 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 bit. Um, like put it this way, it's 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 still above the Rabbitohs. So that's I suppose that's that's pretty good. You know, oh, it's and, plus ninety six, uh, so it's still pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's even above the Warriors. So so so, but the thing is, yeah, where where they've had a struggle, uh, and this is how they're sort of uh, they're sort of getting uh they're getting a bit further away to the top uh top four, which I know something that Eels are probably gunning for. So I think from that point of view, is there um. Yeah, and I think, you know, look, obviously we had a couple of buys and things like that, but look, um, you know, I think those two were probably the, the, the standouts. Um, you know, the Tigers, they didn't lose by 70 this time, so that was a positive. Uh, they showed, you know, some some effort signs there, which I thought was really good. Um, although the Sharks didn't seem as, as, as red hot as what they have been as well. Um, so it's interesting. I know we've had a very close competition, but really uh, I'm looking – Sort of at the ladder now, and I and I feel like um, we're starting to get a bit of a separation. I think uh, you know the teams want to want the probably the Cowboys are probably the only team outside the top eight, and maybe the uh, the Sea Eagles that I think have got a realistic chance um, there. Uh, there was also a bit of controversy with the Dolphins game. Uh, I know that they won in Golden Point after the referee had blown a penalty uh, um, for offside. I think it was. With the um, you know for the field goal attempt, um, so so you know are players offside for most field goal attempts during Golden Point, probably, <laughs> right? Uh, but look, if the ref notices it, he has to blow it, right? So um, I don't think you know I don't have an issue with a with a side winning uh, because you know they did the right thing and the other team did not, right? So we've seen penalties in Golden Point before, so. That's probably it. And look, now uh, we're up to round twenty, so we're going to have seven more rounds before we, uh, before we, before the finals. So, so not long now before the end of the the NRL. Uh, so, so looking forward to what's what's going to happen there as well. Yeah, and in the road home, as you said, starts with round twenty. The road home to the finals. Um, let's talk about the tips, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want me to do the song again? Or? All right, no, sorry. <laughs> All right, All right, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, so, look in the last round, I got three out of six. You got three out of six. You go up to eighty-eight. I go up to eighty-one. So I uh, still got a fair way to go to overtake you, but I've got seven more rounds left. So let's end the final. So let's see how we go. Round twenty sees um, seven uh, seven games. Not uh, is that right? Seven games, not the eight. Um, don't know why, but anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. 
let's get into it. The Knights versus the Tigers, uh, Friday night, 8 p.m. I'm tipping the Knights. I'm tipping the Tigers. Well, there you go. Bulldogs versus Broncos, Saturday, 3 p.m. at Belmore Sports Ground. On on an occasion, let me just say the other thing is uh, Josh, uh, what's his name? Josh Reynolds has uh, announced his retirement from the Bulldogs. So, you know, going back to their Belmore Sports Ground, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think the the Broncos will win this one. Uh, that's, that's my tip. What about you? Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Bulldogs. They always play well at Belmore and um, – you know, if you're uh, if you're in Western Sydney uh, on a Saturday afternoon and you're wondering why is there so much traffic, Belmore Sports Ground. That's all I've got to say. That's that's <laughs> typical, though, isn't it? Uh, all right. Um, Manly versus the Cowboys Saturday five thirty at Four Pines Park. Seagulls will, I think, win this one. Yeah. Look, no, I'm going to tip the Cowboys. Actually, uh, I think they've been great. Uh, beaten the Panthers recently, beaten uh, the Broncos. So, um, yeah, so shouldn't have too much trouble with the Seagulls. All right, Roosters versus Storm at the Sydney Cricket Ground on Saturday night. I think the Storm will win this one. Mm, yeah, look, I'm going I'm to go with you. I'm going to think the Storm's going to be too strong for the Roosters. Now, the Warriors versus the Sharks, Sunday at 2 p.m. at Go Media Stadium. I'm tipping the Warriors to make their way into the top four. Wow, yeah, I think that's great. Look, I am going to tip the Warriors too because I don't think the Sharks have a great record with top eight teams. Um, So I think the Warriors are a top eight team, so they've been playing well. All right, Dolphins versus the Panthers, Sunday 4 p.m. at KO Stadium. I think the Panthers, uh, you know, got some players that did well at Origin and will go back and be full of energy. Panthers for mine. Yeah, I'm tipping the Panthers too. Um, Yep, so, um, yeah, uh, hopefully not a blowout. All right. Finally, Eels and Titans, Sunday 6.15 at Combank Stadium. I have to go for the Eels. I think Gutho has, um, you know, he's well-rested from sitting on the bench for 77 minutes today. So on that basis, I think Gutho is going to explode and kill them on the weekend. Uh, go King Gutho and go the Eels. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I'm going to tip the Eels. So three Eels played, well, actually only really two. Um, so <laughs> two and four minutes, right? So, And then four Titans were in the Queensland squad, right? So I think the Eels are going to be a bit more rested and... Uh, Always, probably one of the most exciting games all year is the Eels versus the Titans. So I think it's going to be all-out attack, which is great to watch. It's going to see high-scoring high points, <laughs> as uh, as you say. Look, that's it for the podcast today. I think, uh, you know, Origin is over. We are now transitioning into the road home for the NRL finals. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, it's been a big... Big episode, a big origin series, a lot to unpack. Potentially, we could be seeing the changing of the guard in New South Wales coaching ranks. Let's see what happens. But hopefully you enjoyed the podcast, everyone, and get out there and support your NRL team on the weekend. Tish, over to you to wrap things up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.